0: Well, amen. Let's take our Bibles and go with me, if you would, please, to the book of 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter number 18. We are uh, currently in our study of the life of David. And when we last left David, he had slain Goliath in the valley. And uh, the men of Israel rejoiced. The Philistines fled and the armies of Israel pursued after them. As we come to 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse number 55, uh, we will pick up with the events that unfolded after David's uh, great victory over Goliath. And we know that from this point forward for the shepherd boy of Bethlehem, life will never be the same. Uh, We come to verse number 55. I invite your attention there, and uh, we'll read into chapter number 18. The Bible says, And when Saul saw David go forth against the Philistine, he said unto Abner the captain of the host, Abner, whose son is this youth? And Abner said, As thy soul liveth, O king, I cannot tell. And the king said, Inquire thou whose son the stripling is. And as David returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. And Saul said to him, whose son art thou, thou young man? And David answered, I am the son of thy servant Jesse, the Bethlehemite. And it came to pass when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day, and would let him no let him go no more home to his father's house. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant, because he loved him, as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him, and gave it to David, and his garments, even to his sword, and to his bow, and to his girdle. And David went out whithersoever Saul sent him. And David behaved himself wisely, and Saul set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. And it came to pass as they came when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistine that the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tabrets, with joy, and with instruments of music. And the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul hath slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very wroth, and the saying displeased him, and he said, They have ascribed unto David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed but thousands. And what can he have more but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day forward. And it came to pass that on the morrow that the evil spirit from God came upon Saul, and he prophesied in the midst of the house, and David played with his hand as at other times. And there was a javelin in Saul's hand. And Saul cast the javelin, for he said, I will smite David even to the wall with it. And David avoided out of his presence twice. And Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him and was departed from Saul. Therefore Saul removed him from him and made him his captain over a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people. And David behaved himself wisely in all his ways. And the Lord was with him. Wherefore, when Saul saw that he behaved himself very wisely, he was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he went out and came in before them. Let's ask for the Lord's blessing on the reading of his word. And as I'm praying, I want to ask you to pray. Ask God to help you today to hear his voice. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that you would speak to us through your word. Holy Spirit, quicken us. Give us ears to hear, help us to submit our will, help us to examine our hearts, and whatever it is that you would like to say to us today, help us to respond in faith and in obedience. We pray that you'll be magnified in the preaching of your word. Enable me to declare in the power of your spirit what you want proclaimed. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. As we come to verse 55, it's in the immediate aftermath of the death of the giant, and Saul has a question for Abner, his captain. His question is simply this, who is this kid? (laughs) Who is this kid who came into our camp and uh, was willing to go and fight this giant of a man named Goliath? When none of the men of Israel, none of the trained soldiers, the hardened soldiers of Israel would go into battle, When Saul himself would not go into battle, this young shepherd boy was willing to go. And so Saul, apparently who didn't have a very good memory, asks, who is this kid? Who is he? Where's he come from? Whose son is he? And uh, maybe he wanted to know, what have they been feeding this boy? That he would have the courage and the strength to go face this giant. But the nation of Israel was beginning to see what the Lord had already seen in David. And what was that? It was that God was with him. The man who was made in private was now being made manifest in public. And let me just say this to you, that who we are in private is important to God. Many desire to be revealed in public. But God wants to forge us and form us. In the private moments of our lives the secret years are not wasted years and the public man is formed in his private life so waiting prepares God's servants for working so the lesson for us in these verses is that we are to take care and be diligent in our private duties and responsibilities but now David the son of Jesse has burst on the scene And it is apparent to all who are witnessing uh, this young man in his faith and his courage and in his skill that he demonstrated with his sling, it is apparent that there is something about him that is different. What is it? Well, God answers the question for us, doesn't he? Notice again in verse number 12 of chapter number 18, and Saul was afraid of David. Here's the reason, because the Lord was with him. Again, in verse number 14, the Bible said, and David behaved himself wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. I want to speak to you this morning on the subject because the Lord was with him. What set David apart? It was the presence and power of God in his life. What is it that this world needs to see? It needs to see people who have the presence and the power of God upon their lives. And where will they find those people? They should find them in the context and the framework of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are his people. We are his ambassadors. We are his uh, disciples. We are his bride. We are his body. We are his servants. And may God help us to be people who It is apparent to the world when they look upon our lives, the way we respond to difficulties and hardships, the way we seize opportunities, the way we conduct ourselves, may it be evident to them as they look upon our lives that the Lord is with us. It was evident to all that what made the difference in David's life was that. The Lord was with him. By the way, if you know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, let me tell you that he has promised that he would never leave you nor forsake you. He has made that promise to you. And so if you know him and you do not experience the presence and power uh, of God upon your life, I want you to know that 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 reveals to us, should reveal to you that you've allowed something to come in and hinder your fellowship with Christ. But I've got good news for you. If we confess our sin, the Lord Jesus is faithful, and he is just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we can live in the land of God's blessings, and that is what we find in the life of David because the Lord was with him. Now, I want you to note three things with me this morning. I'll give them to you, then we'll look at them uh, case by case. Uh, Number one, we're going to see that because the Lord was with him, David experienced the bond of friendship. Secondly, we're going to see that because the Lord was with him, David encountered the bitterness of Saul. And then finally, we're going to see that because the Lord was with him, David enjoyed the blessings of the Lord. Let's look first of all at this thought that David experienced the bond of friendship. Notice, if you would please, in our text in verse number one, and it came to pass when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would let him go no more home to his father's house. Here we find that David, because the Lord was with him, experienced the bond of friendship. The thing that ought to unite us, the thing that ought to be common uh, in our relationship with one another and in the friendships that we share and the relationships that we experience, the thing that ought to be the common theme is our love for the Lord and for his church. And this is true in the life of David and Jonathan. We note that Jonathan had an admiration for David. Look at it again, if you would please, in verse 1. It came to pass that when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him, as his own soul. You see, we learned something about Jonathan in 1 Samuel chapter number 14. Now, it's important to stop here and note who Jonathan is. He is the son of the king. He is Saul's son. As the son of Saul, he is in line to one day take the throne of Israel. He is to uh, be the successor of his father. Jonathan was a a brave man and a man of faith. In, in 1 Samuel 14, the Bible tells us that he and his armor-bearer came upon a garrison of the Philistines. In verse number 6 of 1 Samuel 14, we have a glimpse into the heart of Jonathan that reveals his faith and belief in God. In 1 Samuel 14, 6, the Bible says, And Jonathan said to the young man that bore his armor, Come, and let us go over unto the garrison of these uncircumcised. I think it's interesting to note here that Jonathan refers to the Philistines in the same language, in the same way that David referred to Goliath, Goliath, the giant. He referred to him as the uncircumcised. The Philistines were the enemies and the adversaries of Israel. They were a group of people who worshipped pagan gods who had no desire and affinity toward the true and the living God. Although he had clearly revealed himself to them, they rejected him and they had no use for him or for his people. And so they oppressed the nation of Israel, and Jonathan rightly identified them as the uncircumcised. It may be, he says in in 1 Samuel 14 and verse 6, it may be that the Lord will work for us, for there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. And so Jonathan and his armor-bearer, just the two of them, took on the a Philistine garrison and those two uh, those two men of faith uh, they slew 20 of the adversaries that day you see as Jonathan saw David go down into the valley and fight the giant he saw him go forward in faith and in courage, and it stirred the heart of jonathan who had a mutual faith and a mutual courage they shared this faith and they shared this spirit of trusting god and believing that god could overcome the adversary and so the heart of jonathan was knit together with the heart of david i want to ask you a question when you think about people that you admire in this day and age who are those people I want our young people to ask themselves today, who is it that you admire? Is it the entertainers of this world? Is it those who would lead you from the truth of God's word? Who is it that you allow to influence you? Who is it that you allow uh, to to, uh, set a course for you in your life? And who are those people that you admire? Is it it simply those who have accomplished great wealth in this world? or is it the people who know God and who love God? Do you have an affinity? Do you have an admiration for them? I trust that you do. This is how this friendship was established through Jonathan's admiration of David. You know the Bible tells us in Proverbs 27 and verse 17? Iron sharpeneth iron. What is it that will make you a better Christian and a better person? It is being around people who will help you become a better Christian and a better person. So make sure you take careful account of who your friends are and who you allow to influence your life. Social media has exploded onto the scenes in the last decade, and social media stars are referred to today as influencers these are the people that uh, the regular people look to to be influenced i want to tell you their influence for the most part is not leading people to god at all it is leading in the opposite direction and so may we be careful who we allow uh, to influence us may we be careful about the admirations that we have and jonathan's admiration then we see jonathan's affection In verse number three, then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. Do you know that as Christians, we're commanded to love one another? The Lord Jesus said, I'm going to leave you with a new commandment that ye love one another. He also said to his disciples, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. If ye love one another, we are commanded to love one another and may God help us to love his people. We notice sometimes that people often tend to break up into groups. There are certain people that we're drawn to. Maybe it's their personality. Uh, Maybe it's the attractiveness, not only physically, but of their character and their characteristics, and, and they just seem to mesh with us. And so people begin to break up into little groups. And there will always be that to some degree, but I want you to know that's not the kind of love that the Lord is speaking of here. It is a love that is not based on the worthiness of the one who receives the love. It is a love that is based on the character of the one who extends the love. And that love ought to be the love of Christ so that we can love one another equally, totally, even though we may not always want to spend a whole lot of time with one another. There are people that you can love, but you don't have to go on vacation with them, right? Jonathan had an affection for David. He had an admiration for David. And then lastly, we see Jonathan's acceptance of David. Notice it in verse 4. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David and his garments, even to his sword, and to his bow, and to his girdle. Now, this is significant. John Woodhouse, in his commentary on 1 Samuel, writes that this was nothing less than an act of abdication, it may not have been official, and it may not have been publicly known, but the covenant we may we may know reason or we may now reasonably reasonably suppose had something to do with David and Jonathan's respective prospects for power in Israel. David would take precedence, and Jonathan would rejoice. Now think about that. Jonathan's in line to take the throne but he removes his royal robes, his princely robes. He gives David his garment. He gives David his sword and his bow and his belt, thus signifying, David, I recognize something here. I recognize that although I am the son of Saul, that it is not the role that God has given me to be the king. I recognize that God has ordained you and anointed you To be the king, in fact, he had, right? Samuel had gone to the house of Jesse because the Lord said, I'm seeking a man after my heart. Go to the house of Jesse and anoint the king of Israel. And so the sons of Jesse passed by and saw uh, Samuel was discouraged because the Lord said, that's not him, that's not him, that's not him. Finally, he said, do you have any more sons, Jesse? Oh, yes, we've got David, but he's, you know, he's the youngest and he's out there taking care of the sheep. We didn't think it was important enough to call him in here. You wouldn't want anything to do with him. And then he came. And then the Lord said, that's the man. You see, God had touched the life of David. The Lord was with David. And Jonathan sees it. And he accepts it. And by accepting it, he is willing to humble himself and to step aside and prefer David over himself he learned a great lesson that we all need to learn in the Christian life and that is the the lesson of death to self Jonathan here acknowledges that David would one day be the ruler and Jonathan pledges that while you rule and reign David I'm going to be right here by your side by the way the Lord Jesus is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords You need to determine today, if you haven't already, who is the king of your life. The Lord Jesus is the rightful king, but many have decided that they're going to rule. They're going to make the decisions. They're going to determine what they're going to do with their lives. I want to say to you today that you need to humble yourself and recognize that Jesus is the son of God, the king of kings, and you need to surrender and submit to him today if you haven't already. Not only did David gather the acceptance of Jonathan, but also of the people. Notice, if you would, please, in verse number 5, And David went out with us, whoever Saul sent him, and behaved himself wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. You see, because the Lord was with him, he experienced the bond of friendship. I'm thankful for my friends. I'm thankful for those who help me grow in my Christian life, for those who challenge me, for those who help hold me accountable, for those who are an example of what I need to be as a believer. I'm thankful for those friends and I pray that God would help us to make those kind of friendships. Because the Lord was with him, David experienced the bond of friendship. But then secondly, we note that because the Lord was with him, David encountered the bitterness of Saul. He didn't expect this. And and the truth is that most of us who want to serve God, when we deal with people who oppose us and who who don't like us and and who even work uh, against us, it, it catches us off guard. We have a hard time dealing with that. We want an explanation and a reason. And Often those are not easy to find. But we come to verse 6 and we see what happened. It came to pass as they, as they came, when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistines, that the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tabrets, with joy, and with instruments of music. And the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Now, commentators note that it was not the intent of the women necessarily to disparage Saul. They had come out to greet Saul. They were rejoicing in the victory of the armies of Israel. They were rejoicing in the advancement of the kingdom of God. And in their poetic way, they were singing of the victory. And the Bible said in verse number 8 that Saul, when he heard it, was very wroth. That means he was really mad. And the saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed unto David 10,000s. And to me, they have ascribed but thousands. And what can he have more but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day forward. And it came to pass on the morrow that the evil spirit from God came upon Saul and he prophesied in the midst of the house. Now this prophesying does not mean that Saul was speaking the message of God. It means that Saul was ranting and raving as he was oppressed by this evil spirit. Remember, because of Saul's disobedience, the spirit of God had departed from him. And when the spirit of God has departed, you are open to any influence. Verse number 10, and David played with his hand as at other times, and there was a javelin in Saul's hand. David has an instrument in his hand, Saul has a weapon. Verse 11, Saul cast the javelin, the spear. For he said, I will smite David even to the wall with it. And David avoided out of his presence twice. So now we find that because the Lord was with him, and that's the only reason, David encounters the bitterness of Saul. We find here that although Jonathan loved David, Saul loved Saul. Although Jonathan loved the people of God, Saul loved Saul. Although Jonathan loved God, Saul loved Saul. And because Saul loved Saul, he was interested in the self-preservation of Saul. He was interested in the benefits for Saul. That's why God chose another man, a man after his own heart. We see, if you'll look with me in 1 Samuel chapter 15, an occasion when Saul disobeyed the Lord. There are two events that take place for us in, in the book of 1 Samuel that reveal to us the disobedience of Saul. And God is very serious in his dealing with those who are disobedient to him. I think in today's brand of Christianity, we do not take obedience as earnestly as we should, and we take disobedience way too lightly. We come to 1 Samuel 15 in verse 23. Saul has disobeyed in the matter of the Amalekites. And so Samuel speaks to Saul as he confronts him over this disobedience. In verse 23, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord. God gave him a command. Saul said, well, you know, I mean, honestly, I, you know, I don't really see the, 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 the why it's necessary to do what God said to do. I think I've got a better idea here. I know God said this, but maybe he didn't mean that. And, and really circumstances dictate and the people say something else. So I'm going to do this. That's the kind of reasoning that we reason among ourselves in our disobedience. That's exactly what happened here with Saul. And so when confronted, he says, because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and thy words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. It's not my fault, it's the people's fault. Now therefore I pray thee, pardon my sin, turn again with me, that I may worship the Lord. And Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected, there it is again, thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord hath rejected thee. From being king over Israel what an opportunity Saul was given to be the first king anointed by the prophet filled with the Spirit of God yet he decided to walk contrary to the truth of God's word he decided that he was going to rule and reign that he was not going to allow God to rule and reign Verse 27, and as Samuel turned about to go away, he, that is Saul, laid hold upon his skirt of his mantle and it rent, this garment that he held to 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 prevent Samuel from leaving him, it rent. And Samuel said unto him, the Lord hath rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day and he hath given it to a neighbor of thine that is, listen to these words, better than you. Don't you think those words stuck in the heart of Saul? The Lord has rejected you from being king of Israel, and he has found a man who is better than you. What made him better? It was his obedience to the Lord. It was the fact that he submitted himself and surrendered himself to God. That's the only reason that he was perceived as better. You see, Saul was rejected and David would reign. Saul was bitter because David was better. Therefore, Saul tried to kill him. He said, I've had enough of this kid. I'm going to throw my spear at him. I'm sick and tired of him. Who in the world does he think he is? All these people like him. Everybody talks about David, David, David. I'm sick of David. Let me throw some spears at him. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs six thirty four, for jealousy is the rage of a man, and therefore he will not spare in the day of vengeance. What Solomon wrote in the Song of Solomon, chapter 8 and verse 6, for love is strong as death. Jealousy is cruel as the grave. The coals thereof are coals of fire, which have a most vehement flame. Do you know what jealousy does? It deadens the heart of its host. It disrupts the fellowship that we have with the Lord and with his saints. It divides churches. It diminishes our influence. It dims our light. It defiles others, and it destroys lives. Jealousy. This man is full of jealousy. And why is he in this position? Because of his unwillingness to obey God. And I want you to see the sinister way he goes about executing his wrath on David. Notice it in verse 17. And Saul said to David, behold, my elder daughter Merab, her will I give thee to wife. Only be thou valiant for me and fight the Lord's battles." For Saul said, let not my hand be upon him, but let the hand of the Philistines be upon him. And David said unto Saul, who am I and what is my life or my father's family in Israel that I should be son-in-law to the king? But it came to pass at the time when Merib, Saul's daughter, should have been given to David that he was given unto Adriel, the Maholathite, to wife. And Michael, Saul's daughter, loved David. And they told Saul, and the thing pleased him. And Saul said, I will give him her that she may be a snare to him and that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. Now we'll pause right there and not read the remainder of the verse of the, of the, 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 the passage, but what we're going to find is that Saul said to David, if you want to marry Michael, then you have to go kill a 100 Philistines. Saul's plan was, is that David, in order to win the affections and the right to marry his daughter, which, by the way, was promised to him in chapter 17 when he went to go fight Goliath, but never delivered. And now Saul, trying to have him killed, not by his own hand, but to use the enemies of God to kill him, he says, You go down there and fight the Philistines, and if you prevail, you can marry my daughter. And David did go, and David did prevail. But we note here the sinister way that he went about it. I'm talking about Saul, the sinister way that he sought uh, to bring about the demise of David. He said, wait a minute, I I don't think it's a good idea if I throw my spear at him anymore. The people might not like that because they really like David. My reviews on Google will go down. I won't have as many likes on Facebook. My, my uh, popularity, my approval rate will sharply diminish, so I'm not going to kill him. I, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to let the enemy kill him. But notice how he does it in verse 17. And Saul said to David, Behold, my older daughter Marib, her will I give thee to the wife. Only be thou valiant for me, and fight whose battles? The Lord's battles. Saul is not interested in fighting the Lord's battles. (laughs) He is invoking the name and the work of the Lord to use against his enemy. You know what the Bible tells us about ourselves when we're full of this sin of jealousy and rage, bitterness? That our hearts are desperately wicked and deceitful above all things to the degree that we don't even know it. May God reveal it to us. You're seated here listening to me. You say, I would never stoop to those measures. But you don't mind to cast a a spear or a javelin at someone with your words. You cringe when you hear someone being praised or admired by a friend. And so you find it necessary to find something negative to say, something critical, some doubt, some aspersion to cast. Oh, may God help us. We're filled with this jealousy. And those who have the hand of the Lord upon them, they will experience the bond of friendship from many, but they will also suffer the bitterness of, of the Saul's in their life. And like David, we'll want answers and may never find them. But let me just tell you that God uses the bitterness of Saul to teach us to depend on him, to teach us not to respond in the way that Saul responds. And though somebody may be casting javelins at you, it gives you no excuse to cast a javelin back. I'm thankful that the Lord has taught me this in his word, but I'm thankful that he's given me a wife who's pulled the javelin out of my hand many a time. You see, you're going to have to, if you're going to serve God, you're going to have to endure some bitterness. It goes with the calling. We come to the third thing. David enjoyed the blessings of the Lord. You see, David had a choice to make just like Saul did. Saul could have repented of his bitterness. He could have put the spear down once and for all. On two occasions, he could have changed his mind about his tactic to use his daughters. It shows us his heart. He had no true love and affection for his daughters. He was only using them as pawns to destroy his enemy. He had an opportunity to repent, but he chose not to repent. In my years as a Christian, and in yours, no doubt, we've lived long enough to see people who 10 church services every, every week who are filled with bitterness and wrath and anger, who've been given opportunity after opportunity to repent and have not. Maybe today God is speaking to you and dealing with you, and this is your opportunity. David chose, however, not to respond with a spear, He chose to respond in a way that glorified and honored the Lord. Look, if you would please, in verse 12. And because he responded in obedience to Christ, we see that he enjoyed the blessings of the Lord. I want to tell you that the blessings of the Lord are sweeter than revenge. And Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him and was departed from Saul. Therefore Saul removed him from him and made him his captain over a thousand. He's gone now from being over the men of war to just a captain over a thousand. Well, what did David do? Well, he went out and came in before the people. And David behaved himself wisely in all the ways all his ways and the lord was with him verse 15 wherefore when saul saw that david didn't throw javelins at him but that he behaved himself very wisely he was afraid of him you see the greatest weapon we have is the weapon of faith and obedience verse 16 but all israel and judah loved david because he went out and came in before them. You see, Saul feared David because the Lord was with David. Saul said, get him out of my sight. I can't stand to see him anymore. So he removed him, and he demoted him. But David responded by behaving himself wisely, by honoring the Lord, by choosing not to pick up the javelin. Verse 30. Then the princes of the Philistines went forth, and it came to pass after they went forth that David behaved himself more wisely than all the servants of Saul, so that his name was much set by. You see, Saul in his strength and his power is losing strength and position, and David in his humility and in his weakness and in his obedience to Christ is gaining influence and power. I came across a quote by Alexander McLaren in his book, The Life of David. And I read this quote and I was struck by it. And I thought, oh, that that was true of me. Let me read it to you. David's calm indifference, his calm indifference to outward circumstances affecting himself, is very strikingly expressed. In his conduct. Partly from his poetic temperament, partly from his sweet natural unselfishness, and chiefly from his living trust in God, he accepts whatever happens with equanimity and makes no effort to alter it. He takes the good with the bad, and he doesn't allow it to shake him. He said he originates nothing, prosperity comes unsought and dangers unfeared he does not ask for jonathan's love or the people's favor or the women's songs or saul's daughter if saul gives him command he takes it and does his work if saul flings his javelin at him he simply springs aside and lets it whiz past if his high position is taken from him he is quite content with a lower If a royal alliance is offered, he accepts it. If it is withdrawn, he is not ruffled. If renewed, he is still willing. If a busy web of intrigue is woven around him, he takes no notice. If reconciliation is proposed, he cheerfully goes back to the palace. If his life is threatened, he goes home. He will not stir to escape but for the urgency of his wife. So well had he already begun to learn the worthlessness of life's trifles. You see, I'm just going to be honest with you. If it was me, or maybe if it were you, we would get aggravated and just say, you know what, it's not worth it anymore. I mean, are these people going to treat me like this? I'm not going to do this anymore. If they're going to say these things about me, if they're going to attack me, I'm not going to do this anymore. It's not worth it. But David said, yes, it is worth it because I'm here to serve the Lord. And he recognized that God could bless him in the face of the bitterness of others. He had already blessed him through the bonds of the friendship of others. Can he also not bless us through the bitterness of our adversaries? Absolutely. Absolutely. You see, God is using this bitter experience to draw David into a closer walk and intimacy with Christ, and he uses that in our lives just the same. You say, well, I don't know why I'm going through this. Well, because God wants to teach you not to respond in your flesh, javelin with javelin. He wants to teach you to behave wisely and trust him, and he wants to draw you into deeper communion with him so that he may bless you and the secret to your victory to the blessing is not you taking up the sword or the spear it is falling on your knees and submitting to christ and he gives the victory the difference between saul and david while one was jealous and unhappy with his lot. The other was content. Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. I believe David was learning the secret of contentment. And that contentment allowed him to enjoy the blessings of the Lord. How is it with you? Is the Lord with you? You may be here this morning and you've never abdicated the throne of your life. But today you recognize that Jesus is the Son of God. He is the King of kings. And you will humble yourself and come before him. Confess your sin. Put your faith in him, and I want to tell you on the authority of God's word that he will save you, forgive you of your sin, and give you a home in heaven. If you haven't done that, I invite you to do that this morning. If you find yourself admiring people who are drawing you away from the Lord, I want to encourage you today, find someone who is drawing you closer to God. I said to one of our young men this past week, I said, son, you have a choice to make. You can either allow people to pull you down or you can choose to try to pull them up. I'm praying you'll make the right choice. I'm praying that all of us will. May God help us to admire his servants, to have an affection for them, and to accept one another, to love one another. May God help us to examine our own hearts and see if there be any wicked way in us, any seeds of jealousy and bitter and envy. May God help us to deal with that. And if we're experiencing the bitterness of someone, may God help us to respond in the right way, to understand that God will use that to help us to depend on him and to walk with him. And as we learn to lay aside the javelin and take up the shield of faith, we're going to find that God gives victory. And blessing. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is Hickory o r g. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.